Hello, and welcome to another episode of La Tanique's Politics Refresh. Uh, as always, I'm Robert D'Alessandro, one of the co-hosts. Unfortunately, this week, uh, my co-host Matt is, um, he's a little under the weather. So we are joined instead by Elaine. How are you doing, Elaine? Uh, I'm good. I'm standing for the week. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. And um, let's jump right in to some politics. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we did a story about the migrant crisis unfolding at our border. Um, some people have called it a crisis. Uh, the Biden administration has been very careful to not do so. Um, significant re revelations have come out since we uh, last chatted about this. Um, not only has it been confirmed by both the Biden administration and multiple news sources that the while this surge in migration across the U.S. border is significant and larger than any of the last in the 15 years, it is also following a cyclical nature. And the fact that a pandemic restricted flow across the border last year leads this to be more of a um, just a larger than average year, not because of anything that Biden is doing. Um, additionally, uh, and of particular interest to me, Biden's press conference was uh, heavily featuring this issue. And um, he was able to really well deflect and um, you know, make his case for what, how he's handling things. I think anyway, his, um, his reception in the media has been great. We're gonna play a clip of that right now and you can see what, yourself, see what you think for yourself. Thanks so much, Mr. President. Um, you've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? And how are you choosing which families can stay and which can, can go, given the fact that even though with Title 42, there are some families that are staying? And is there a timeline for when we won't be seeing these overcrowded facilities with, run by CPB when it comes to unaccompanied minors? Well, look, I guess I should be flattered people are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening, that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That, you know, that's why they're coming, because no, Biden's a good guy. Truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. As many people came, 28% increase in children to the border in my administration, 31% in the last year of, in 2019 before the pandemic in the Trump administration. It happens every single solitary year. There is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months of January, February, March. It happens every year. In addition to that, there is a, and nobody, and by the way, does anybody suggest that there was a 31% increase under Trump because he was a nice guy and he was doing good things at the border? That's not the reason they're coming. The reason they're coming is that it's the time they can travel with the least likelihood of dying on the way because of the heat in the desert. Number one. Number two, they're coming because of the circumstances in country. In country. The way to deal with this problem, and I started to deal with it back when I was a United States Senator, I mean, a Vice President, for putting together a bipartisan plan of over $700 million to do the root causes of why people are leaving. What did Trump do? He eliminated that funding. He didn't use it. He didn't do it. 
And in addition to that, what he did, he dismantled all the elements that exist to deal with what had been a problem and, and has been continued to be a problem for a long time. He, in fact, shut down the, uh, the number of beds available. He did not fund HHS to get people to get the children out of those, those border patrol facilities where they should not be and not supposed to be more than a few days, a little while. But he dismantled all of that. So what we're doing now is attempting to rebuild, rebuild the system that can accommodate the, the, what is happening today. And I'd like to think it's because I'm a nice guy, but it's not. It's because of what's happened every year. Let me say one other thing on this. If you take a look at the number of people who are coming, the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people coming to the border and crossing are being sent back. Did you move too quickly to roll back some of the executive orders of your predecessor? First of all, all the policies that were underway were not helping at all, did not slow up the amount of immigration and as many people coming. And rolling back the policies of separating children from their, from their mothers, I make no apology for that. Rolling back the policies of uh, remaining in Mexico, sitting on the edge of the Rio Grande in a muddy circumstance with not enough to eat, I make no apologies for that. I make no apologies for ending programs that did not exist before Trump became president that have an incredibly negative impact on the law, international law, as well as on human dignity. And so I make no apologies for that. And then also, Elaine, you, uh, you wrote about this recently. Check it out on Latinique if you haven't, but I'd love to get your opinion. Um, so, yeah, I covered the 20-year high, and it is true that the migrant surge is not really a surge. It's typical in the winter months because it's easier to get across because of the weather, not as hot. But there is a rise in unaccompanied children that's coming across, which I think is a lot to do with Title 42 that Trump put in. And Title 42... Um, closed the border indefinitely and made it so that people couldn't come across because of the public health crisis because of coronavirus but Biden is letting children in unaccompanied which Trump wasn't doing which has led to parents sending their children across knowing that they're gonna be settled and get a place in a migrant camp over in Texas so I think that's one major difference I do think has created an uptake in numbers but I agree with everything else you said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that, you know, treating people with some humanity instead of, um, you know, caging them or, yeah. uh, you know, any other countless horrors that occurred under the Trump administration at the border. I, I do think that, you know, as world leaders, we, as the U.S., have a certain responsibility to try to do our best in terms of humanitarian issues. Um, however, that also, you know, there is some, um, at some level, people will try to make their own lives better. And, you know, under a Democrat, under someone who cl clearly cares more. Um, I'm, I was particularly interested in the fact that Biden isn't really allowing press into the, um, yeah. into these camps. What do you, yeah. what do you think about that? 
I don't think that's a good reflection on him. But I did see that, I think it was a Texas journalist was allowed in and he took some photos. And it they're not, they don't bode well. There's no social distancing. They're the same um, foil-type blankets that the Trump administration gave the kids. And they're pretty caged in, as yeah. you would say. Doesn't change much from, and they're using the. I know they're using the same facilities that the Trump administration used, which I guess is what they've got for now. But I don't think it reflects well. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, Biden has talked about how not only not only is this a you know this surge in migrants was well, it could be expected. It's larger than it's expected. It was expected to be, and that the Trump administration basically spent years tearing down all the infrastructure to deal with migrants coming across the border because they just figured, oh, we can just continuously send them back or shut the borders permanently or, you know, treat people worse and then they won't come. Um, so he's trying to, you know, you're jumpstarting a project, right, to build all this infrastructure to care for migrants in a way that's more humane, but you can't, you can't do it overnight. So it's one of these, it's, it's, one of these things that the right is having a field day with, but at the same time, it's, it's also interesting because the Republican constituency doesn't, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's unfair to say that they, they do not want these people treated humanely. Right. I mean, like build the wall is one of those slogans. What do you, what do you think? I I do agree. And I, I think I read somewhere that it seems to be that now the wall isn't being constructed. That mindset is being placed along um, border patrol, border guards. Even in Mexico's National Guard, there, there's quite a big story about them pushing back against the Northern Triangle migrants trying to come over. They're trying to stop it. They're trying to stop people from getting into the US through Mexico now instead of just at the US southern border, which I think is a big um, progress, maybe. Not a good one. I think it might be something that I didn't hear about in the Trump administration. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting to me because, you know, there's, there have always been, you know, there are always people that are trying to cross this border. They're, yeah. you know, just like, just like almost any other border yeah. in the world. But, you know, the U.S. has spent a considerable amount of our time and resources in South America when we're intervening or like helping or supporting different regimes in South America, not exactly making it a more stable region. Um, you know, that's probably an understatement. Um, so we're, you know, this is kind of like our fruit to bear in a way. And, um, I am, I, you know, I, it's not, it's not as good, but at least there's someone in charge who wants to do something about it and make them, make it better. Um, yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, you know, we can just move right along into our next topic if you want. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about Ukraine and Russia. Um, you know, there are massive troop movement and buildup along the Ukrainian border that Putin clearly is signing off on. This is a clear act of aggression towards the U.S. And, um, you know, while Ukraine is not a member of NATO, it certainly is, uh, you know, it's, it's trying to become one and is, um, you know, it's, it's posturing in a way that we are continuously allied with it, we being the U.S., I know you're across the pond, um, but I'd, I'd love to get your perspective as a European, you know, as someone that isn't directly involved in the antagonistic relationship between U.S. and Russia, 
but someone who kind of has to rely, like someone whose country and, uh, and union have to rely on both of them. Um, more so the U.S., of course, but, you know, like with uh, oil and, you know, security threats in the region, Russia is certainly a player. Yeah, I did. My immediate thought on it was that it was a, a sort of power player to Biden that Russia can still, they still have power. They didn't, they didn't need a relation with Trump. They don't need a relation with the US to prove that they have, they can take back things that they want, I reckon. That it was a power player. That it's a threat more than an invasion. I think it's a threat. Yeah, I think it's a threat too. <laughs> I just, I, I feel like it's kind of empty, right? Because it, yeah. it's, are you really, are you really going to start a war right now? Is that in your best interest as a nation, right? You have yeah. huge uh-huh. economic deals going on across Europe and in the Middle East. Do you really want to upset all of that? Yeah, I don't know because um, I think the ceasefire reached 2019, maybe. But I read that the ceasefire is broken dozens of times every day. So yeah, think, I'm sure. Yeah, the conflict is still on the download, but I don't know if they want to fully fledge things up again. Yeah, do you do you really want to? That's the thing is, even if the ceasefire is continuously broken by you know small militant bands, it's do you really want to ramp this up in a way where you would you would be progressing to a live war? And I mean, this is this is coming off the backs of something that wasn't really covered in U.S. politics at the time, but Russia actually had to broker a peace deal in you know around. My geography is a little bit off, but they just had to broker a, a peace deal between Azerbaijan and Armenia. So it's it's one of these things where the more chaos you throw into a region like that, I feel like the more unstable it's going to become. Um, yeah. And that might benefit Russia in some ways, but they they need Crimea. They need that access. They need yeah. that port. Um, I don't have a great understanding of why the Arctic troops are getting so much coverage and movement right now. Um, but I, I assume we'll be um, hearing more about that in the coming days. Um, and oh, and also, you know, something interesting that happened today was the uh, was Putin signing into law that he can run for president or be president or term extension limit of, until twenty thirty six. Yeah, it's quite questionable. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, that'll be decades of him running the country, right? And I think more than anything else, it shows you the staying power of these authoritarian nations now, Um, whether it's Putin or Erdogan or Xi Jinping, these are autocrats who have consolidated power within just their hands, not a party, not a, not a, um, not an idea, but, but them. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. My concern was that this there might be a domino effect of, oh, he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got all these low-key dictators running around. <laughs> well, there's certainly been an, a trend towards authoritarianism in, in the world yeah. in general, right? There was a yeah. there was an there was a period of democratization, and I I personally think when we look at history, you can see a kind of, you know, like an ebb and flow in both directions. Okay. I think, you know, you can look at something like the Arab Spring and see a real boon for democracy. 
in the you know 2013 to 2016 2017 whether or not it actually you know finished playing out there there was uh there was one actual democracy created but you know there there was not great progress however there were and there were several dictators removed right there was you know Saddam Hussein was removed um Gaddafi was removed by the US um but now we're seeing, you know, Eastern European countries, you, you can probably yeah. speak to this more than I can, um, that are trending more towards the hard right and um, towards uh, authoritarianism. Yeah, I think the one most on the UK's radar was definitely Poland with the, I think it was the anti-homosexual laws first areas I think they made, and then the anti-abortion laws. But then... There's been protests in the UK recently, and they're saying that our government is taking a step towards authoritarianism with the new like police laws, which I do kind of agree with. So I don't know if it's just Europe is slightly edging more right as a whole, especially Eastern Europe, though. So I don't. Yeah, know. definitely. I don't know completely, but I think that is definitely taking on trend. Well, I'd love to talk about the police reform that's going on in London yeah. where they would they would basically I mean the way the law is written currently and you know has a real chance at passing is that police can crack down on and eliminate the right to protest is that is that accurate yes yeah, so currently there was like a public order act of 1986 that they've been following ever since and I think you can only tell protesters that they've broken the law if you can if police can prove that they informed protesters that they shouldn't be there or that they should leave before moving them does that make sense yes but with the new law it says that protesters ought to have known about it so that you can you can break a law about maybe being in an area or vandalizing something that you didn't know existed so you don't <laughs> know about the law but you break the law they're you still be arrested gonna, for that yeah well, so it's interesting, right? I, this, this really reminds me of what is going on in the U.S. right now in some ways with Republican parties across the, um, across the U.S. trying to make it harder to, um, to protest or um, trying to make it harder to vote. Because, you know, at the, at the end of the day, this is a basic attack on your democratic freedoms of self-expression and um you know being able to politically mobilize the, there's a there's a representative in georgia currently who wanted that. to observe the signing of the bill she's facing eight years in prison for knocking on a door um it is terrifying oh. wait why um I, I to be honest with you i actually don't understand <laughs> that case law um okay. at all because you know she's a representative i feel like she should be able to witness the signing of this bill yeah. um but I can do some research and get back to our <laughs> listeners next time. Um, but it's it's one of these things where you know it's now it's illegal. It's it's not a legal form of um, or they're they're trying to make it illegal in Florida to block roads as a form of yeah, protest. Yeah, that was one of ours. Yeah. Um, you know, it's illegal to give out water to people so in so... <laughs> in voting lines. And um, interestingly enough, they're they're trying to make it so that. You know the the there are restricted voting hours 
Um, originally, I, I don't know if you're aware of what Souls to the Poles is. Um, it's a, it, so it's a, it's a black church, um, a predominantly black church initiative to get their members to go out and vote early. Um, okay. those people generally vote Democrat. However, you know, in previous years, like, the Bush administration, for example, there are faith leaders in the black community that have talked extensively about how they would um, be be like they would search for counsel and try to um, you know come to agreements with this group. Um, but today, you know, the current Republican Party has completely thrown that aside, um, and they tried to eliminate all weekend voting, which is pre predominantly they being the Republicans. They're just trying to target the groups that want them out of office <laughs> okay yeah i i there was talk of voter id having to be confirmed here but i don't know if anything's happening with that because people have said obviously not everyone has id i think the same well, the, happened in the u.s right yes in some areas of the u.s they're going to try to require more ids or make it more stringent or something there there are many many laws that are trying to be tackled in this way um but it's it's fascinating to me because they're kind of going at this with a uh you know they're not using a scalpel they are going at this with a machete and they have no idea how these laws are going to actually affect um voters i i think that if anything it will be extremely motivating to democrats and you know if a Republican, for example, thinks, oh, this law doesn't apply to me because I'm a Republican, right? That I always, I vote well, I know what to do. And they show up and they don't have the right ID because they haven't been part of the group that's been informed by this. Um, you know, this is a hypothetical, but I think, and I think that when it's harder to vote, you know, turnout's probably lower, but the people that make, that, that want to make a difference, right? Those are the people that are against these laws. It's a it's a tough time for democracy right now, even though, you know, even though Biden's victory is certainly a huge step in the right direction. Um, that's like the, the writing of the ship instead of it completely collapsing, if you will. I agree. I feel like Biden, obviously, the, I, the better win, I think. That's me. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like the UK government has taken a step right compared to the US, which seems to have gone a little bit more left, which I don't know. I feel like the roles have reversed ever since the election. Yeah, it's interesting. Right? I don't because, know what's happened. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because, you know, Biden, at the end of the day, Biden really won a convincing victory. Yeah. Several million popular vote. He won by the same margin that Trump won, um, that Republicans talked about this being a mandate. Um, he won, he also won 70% of our GDP. If you just look at the states that are, you know, actually producing our economic output, oh, okay. yeah. um, which is that's significant in and of itself. Um, because it, you know, it tells you where the, you know, where the money is. Um, the Democrats recently broke a fundraising record for um, just for, for the first, like, I forget if it's three months or a month after a, you know, their president, presidential candidate wins.
that significant. Um, but it seems to me like the general conversation has switched left and the general public has been, you know, just moved a little bit left because Trump was so repugnant and, and, and hated. And also he kind of, you know, he tore the mask off what the uh, modern Republican Party stands for in a lot of ways. Um, and he, he made that ugliness front and center and part of his campaign. Um, but could you tell, could you tell us a little bit more about the step right that, you know, Boris Johnson's government's taking? Yeah. Well, apart from that section that I, about being ought to know the laws, um, there's a lot you can, with protest, it's, it's a 300 page document, the new police (laughs) bill. So if you want to read it, it'll be on the internet somewhere, but people are having a problem with that you can get more time in prison now for damaging a statue than you get for sexual assault. What? You can get 10 years in prison for damaging a memorial or a statue, which started, we think, because the Black Lives Matter protests in last summer, I think it was, were also over here, and people were taking down slave trader statues, rightfully. <laughs> but yeah, and then so now you can get ten years in prison for that. But recently, I think there's been an average of around four years for sexual offenders, which is a lot of the reason why people are on the streets protesting massively about it. Yeah. Have Have you been to any of those, or are you like privy? Are you near no, enough to I live hear in, them? Like, a small town. They're quite oh, okay. Me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I mean, good, right? You, this is, you, we have to do this. People have to do this. Um, I hope everyone's wearing a mask and staying safe, but this is just, it's so important. I, democratic freedoms in this world, especially while they're under siege, need to be protected at all costs. Um, I am disgusted every day by um, what's going on uh, in Republican controlled areas and how they decide to um, how they decide to go about destroying democracy on a daily basis. Um, oh, uh, you know, let's we can we can move to a, to a really fun topic. Well, not a fun topic, but a you know an amusing topic at the very least. If uh, do you know who Matt Gates is? I don't. I feel like there's someone in my mind, but I, so, but I don't know if it's the right person, so go for it. So he's a member of Congress. He's a Republican. I think he's 38. Um, recently this week, he has been brought up on charges of... Um, he's, no, sorry, he has not been brought up on charges. He, he is currently un, under investigation by the DOJ for um, sex trafficking a minor across state I lines. Did. I saw this. Yeah. I saw this, yeah. <laughs> I did see this on Twitter. And I, there's so much to this, whether it's the reports of him using ecstasy and sleeping with prostitutes or the reports of him, um, you know, just showing nude pictures to uh, other members of Congress on the floor um, of the chamber. Uh, there, and you know, he cries that this is a hoax, 
But the interesting thing is this was started under Trump's DOJ. This was started under Barr. And, um, you know, they are notorious. They were notorious in doing political favors for the people that that Trump worshipped. And they didn't do anything for him, which uh, is fascinating to me. Not sorry, not the people that Trump worshipped, but the people that worship Trump. Um, and I, I'd, I'd love to make two points and then you get your reaction to them. First of all, QAnon is remarkably silent on all of this when there is an actual, uh, you know, credible account of a member of Congress, uh, you know, trafficking in children. That is, that is something that is happening. And this theory, this conspiracy theory that is based on this, on, on this claim that politicians are, um, are pedophiles is completely ignoring it. And they're just, there's just no attention given to it at all. Um, like, I don't know how familiar you are with QAnon. I feel like it's got a global influence at some, to some extent. I don't know. I've read bits here and there, but I don't quite know what they are <laughs> and what they do. I don't really either. I just, I, <laughs> you know, we got, you have to, you kind of have to know enough at this point because they come up so much okay. in terms of the Republican base. Um, but yeah, there's actually, there's a great SNL skit about it, um, that just came out last night. So I'll send that your way. Um, is it headline news? It is headline news. It's okay, headline news good. here that's like every day <laughs> because I keep getting headline, I, whether it's it and it's every news organization except Fox. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, I mean, Fox. <laughs> Fox is the only um, news organization that I could find that headline news was Trump is calling for an MLB boycott. Um, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Which is... Coca-Cola, too. I saw that one. Yeah, Coca-Cola. <laughs> um, and I mean, is it like, is he going to stop flying on Delta? I, who knows? <laughs> okay. Um, but it, it's... It, that's actually in and of itself very interesting because this is going to actually test how important Trump's going to be in his post-presidential life, right? Whether he's just screaming into the wind or if his followers are still with him. Um, what, do you have any predictions on that? I know it's kind of a tough one. I don't know. I can't, I can't see them boycotting major brands. Right. I can't. I can't see that. And t to be honest, Trump has. I don't think Trump is on the global radar anymore because there's been no, not not one. I haven't seen a bit of news about him over here apart from Twitter, which is global. Anyway. Yeah. But like headlines here, not a piece. <laughs> no, but I, I mean that's know. great, if right? I like on Twitter, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, his his getting rid of his Twitter almost completely shutting him out of the national yeah. conversation, and I imagine destroyed him internationally yeah. um but i there have been some reports that he's going to invest in a social media company and try to make you know like the new parlor or whatever um and that, that wouldn't shock me i think that's a very plausible act to conversing with his base regularly um which would probably be a major deal for him but you know, the the most recent headline about Trump I saw was that his campaign donors are all really upset because he had a fine print 
agreement in the terms and conditions of the or like in some part some tiny part of their website where it said we can bill you monthly based on your donation total even if you select it is a one-time donation so they were oh i did like see stealing that. money yeah i saw that people who was it general supporters of trump that gave their money again yeah. money just taken out of their account exactly i was, I was like well is that legal <laughs> It, I think it's legal, but I don't because you know if you if you if you agree to it in any part of the donation process, right? Even if it yeah, is true. a footnote yeah. within like page ten yeah. of the term of the condition, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's scummy. You know, <laughs> it it does it does not warrant future trust from constituents, right? Do you think? Do you think he'll run again? I'm I'm kind of mixed on that. I can see it going both ways. I could see him running again. I think he'd get obliterated by Biden. Um, okay. I have a. Do you think there should be an age limit on presidency? That's a really hard question <laughs> because there's a, there's a there's a you know there there are age restrictions on who can be president, who can be a representative. You have to be of a certain age. Yeah. And um I my initial my initial leaning is that I see the merits in it. However, when you start to really restrict um who can hold that job, um you know, I I worry that that is a slippery slope to further restricting other things. I think in a vacuum, you know, putting a cap on it would be a good idea. Um just because it would, it, you know, there's a, there's an, there's a prevailing sentiment in the U.S. that it's like, it's your turn to run, right? It was, it was Hillary's turn to run in 2016. She, she lost to Obama in the, in the 08 primary and they kept everyone else out of the primary. And we ran a weak candidate against Donald Trump because of that. Um, and I think that if it, if there was a age limit on the top, that probably would go away. Um, but it's hard because, you know, even if you are the president, right, like, you know, there are, there's such a large supporting cast around you that, you know, even if you're way up there like Biden, he is still getting a lot done. Um, and I mean, if he passes this infrastructure deal that I would love to see pass just based on all the amazing things that are in it, um, then he, uh, you know, then he's, he's accomplished more in his first year than Trump did in all four. Um, which is remarkable. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Elaine, thank you so much for joining me and uh, chatting. And um, do you have anything you want to plug for Latinique? Um, my U.S. border article is out, and my article about the U.K. police bill is coming out soon. <laughs> Check them both out. They are uh, fantastic on Latinique under the politics section. Um, I am Robert D'Alessandro. Thank you again, Elaine. And um, we will see you next week.